0: Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now, here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, it's all about technology and the fight against COVID 19 made right here at home in Ohio. The University of Akron and the Akron branch of the California-based aerospace company, LTA, have teamed up to deliver more than 4,000 face shields to Summit County Public Health and local hospitals. University of Akron Associate Professor of Mechanical Engineering, Dr. Nicholas Garofalo.
1: So we have a
2: network of 40 3D printers, and we started with that, and we quickly realized that there is a tremendous need uh, in our community. And so we shifted to include injection molding of these components. So initially we were on the order of about 50 face shields per day. With the shift in manufacturing and bringing a couple other local partners in manufacturing on board, we're able to produce thousands a day.
0: They're also stepping up at Akron Space in downtown Akron. Vice President Beckett Solchek.
2: Our shop has been completely converted to manufacturing personal protective equipment for local first responders. We've been making face shields and we've also been making cloth masks.
0: When you say that your workshop there has been converted, tell me about your workshop. What does it look like? What do you have there? What kinds of people use it? What do you usually do there?
2: Usually we are a community workshop for people who want to make things. We have about 10,000 square feet of workshop space that consists of a wood lab, a metal shop, a hot metals lab for welding and blacksmithing, an electronics lab, and a craft lab for traditional soft crafts like sewing, knitting, costume making, stuff like that. We are a membership run organization, so we have community members, they pay a monthly dues, and then they get access to the shop to come in and use the tools and take our classes and make whatever it is that they want to make, whether it's a hobby or a prototype for a startup business.
0: So how many members do you have and how many of them are then participating in making personal protective equipment? So
2: we have around a 100 members, but when it comes to making the personal protective equipment, we have about a core group of around 30 or so people that are helping to contribute, whether they're sewing masks or running the 3d printer or even doing delivery drop-offs for equipment.
0: So when you say running the 3d printer what are they making with the 3d printer? We started
2: using the 3d printer to make the visors for the fans that go around the head. We've now converted to using injection molded bands so the 3d printers are being used to make the chin pieces for the bottom of the face shields to keep them curved around the face so the plastic doesn't lay flat
0: oh okay because i i hadn't actually seen any face masks that had a chin piece on it before what i've seen in pictures has been there's a plastic piece that goes around the back of your head and then Mm -hmm. this curved mask you know hooks on to that so how do yours look different than that
2: So the bands on the top of the head look pretty similar to what you've seen. So they're pretty durable and they hold up to sterilizing a lot better. The plastic that we're using for the face shield is a little bit thicker. It is a food safe and medical grade plastic that we were able to get our hands on right when this started. So the chin piece is a 3D printed piece that snaps on the bottom right in the middle of the face shield to help keep the plastic from the face shield curved around the sides of the face.
0: How many of them have you guys produced and who are you giving them to?
2: We've produced about 3,300. We're set up to make a few thousand more and they've been going to local hospitals and other first responders. We've also like sent some to some orthodontist offices and dentist offices.
0: What about the people who are sewing? What do they make?
2: So We're making cloth masks. We're making a fitted cloth mask so they're not the uh, pleated type they fit right over the nose and mouth and chin area and then they have two elastic loops that go around the back of the ears
0: can people get involved still and help you guys out tell me about how they can find out more and how they can get involved if they can
2: if they want to donate their time we're always looking for people who are willing and able to sew from home we can provide them with a kit to make the masks and then we can drop off the kit and pick up the completed masks when they're done then they can be sterilized and distributed to people who need them.
0: So tell me the URL for the Akron Makerspace if people want to find out more about it.
2: Our website is akronmakerspace.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Akron Makerspace.
0: And in Columbus, they're coordinating the national rollout of technology that allows much-needed N95 masks to be sterilized and reused. William Richter is a microbiologist at Battelle
1: this is a process that we've used in our laboratories for a couple decades. I work in a high containment lab with things like anthrax and plague. So when we get things out of chambers and and out of our lab, we need to do a high-level decon to be able to achieve that. So we've levered a similar type of process for this, and it's utilizing hydrogen peroxide. The kind you get in the store is usually around 3%. This is starting off at a 35%, but basically we turn that into a vapor, pump this into one of our decon chambers so that has the N95 masks loaded into it. So we have a defined cycle that's implemented. Uh, The masks are decontaminated. We have a process to go back to those verify that the hydrogen peroxide has been completely removed from the mask down to acceptable levels based on OSHA requirements. They're then packaged up and sent back to the healthcare workers. It's been a really cool process and we can decontaminate these up to 20 times, which is a really big deal because they were intended to be single-use items.
0: Where across the country has it gone to yet? Has it just been Ohio or is it Going to other places.
1: We received a, a government contract to build 60 of these systems and distribute across the country. So I think to date, uh, we're somewhere around 48 sites developed and deployed. Those are at sort of various levels of readiness and deployment, but we're processing from California, Texas, Detroit, obviously we've been operating here at Central Ohio uh, the longest, but it spans the entire country.
0: To give our listeners kind of a visual of how this works. Let's say that I work at a hospital and, and we have all these masks. What happens to them then? Do we send them down in the basement and there's a machine down there? And how does that work?
1: The decontamination chamber is set up in an ISO container. So it's those shipping containers that you see on boats coming across the water. And... We have uh, processes set up for hospitals for collection. They basically collect them into bags. They double bag those, decontaminate the outer bag with a liquid spray decontaminant, box that up, and then uh, it can either be shipped to us via courier or FedEx. Uh, We run it through our decontamination process, which usually we have a turnaround time between one day and three days. It's then sent back via the same courier service to them for reuse.
0: So, for people who really don't understand what Battelle is in the background of your organization, can you give me a thumbnail sketch?
1: Yes, we are a large nonprofit R&D facility. So we research a lot of different components, medical devices, tactical armored vehicles. At our facility, um, we do a lot of vaccine and therapeutic research, ultimately for licensure of the FDA. So. Since this has spun up, we've been doing a lot of different things with, with the SARS virus. We've done the uh, critical care decontamination system, which we've been talking about. We've also developed an assay uh, for the COVID-19 disease, and we've set up a CLIA-certified laboratory to help Ohio and the country have more tests available that we've all been hearing about. And we've been developing uh, models to ultimately be able to test vaccines and therapeutics as they become available. So
0: this pandemic kind of, at least to most people, it kind of came out of nowhere and was very surprising as a microbiologist that's been studying this kind of thing for years. Was it a surprise to you that something like this would have come up? And is there anything very unusual about the coronavirus that surprised you?
1: Viruses are funny, they're they're constantly mutating. Every time they infect someone there's they replicate and there's mutations that occur. And we've had pandemics in the past with influenza and different viruses. So it's one of those things that we is kind of always on our mind, we're always preparing for. In the decon world we hope that we never have to use these things that we're developing. But we've spent decades researching the tools and techniques to be able to address these situations if they occur
0: And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.